Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me as always is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And technically this will be our first episode back, because we want to get this one out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but uh, as you know, we've had a bit of a break, and I won't go into why and everything just now, because you're going to hear that in the next episode, so yeah, uh, it's going to be a bit of deja vu, but... Yeah, well, we went out on Wednesday, didn't we? We did. It's Saturday now. Uh, we went out Wednesday, 26th of June. Yeah. Um, we went to see the new Discovery documentary. Deep Space Nine documentary. Sorry, Deep Space Nine documentary. Yeah, What We Left Behind um, with Ira Stephen Bear. Yeah. Um, it was... It was thought we'd just let everyone know what we thought about it. Yeah, we're going to try and... Not give away too many spoilers, because even though it's a documentary, the kind of stuff you could spoil in it, and also... Yeah, it, it's a good... It was great fun. We enjoyed it. We want to say how... Yeah. Sort of review it without spoiling it for you. Yeah, we might um, give away some of the gags and things, so if you really, really don't want to know anything whatsoever about it, then, you know, give this episode a miss, as yeah. long as you keep subscribed and give us good reviews on yeah. iTunes, um, that's fine. Is on Blu-ray, is it beginning of August? It's, it is in the States, I don't know if it's going to be the same over here, but I can't see any reason why not, yeah. so hopefully it'll be out um, end of August, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to give you a little bit of our thoughts on DS9 as a whole as well, so first up then, I want to start with... When did DS9 crop up on your radar, Elliot? Because uh, pretty much as soon as it started. Yeah, like, like I was watching TNG as it came out yeah. back in a long time ago. <laughs> um, I pretty much started watching DS9 as soon as it was available on BBC Two. At the time, it was. See, that's the thing that for our American listeners. We, um, the Star Trek situation was a little bit weird over here, like BBC Two, which is one of our uh, terrestrial channels, so non-paid TV, like kind of is because we have a TV license, yeah, but we don't want to get into that. Um, BBC Two we always aired the reruns of the original series. Yeah, that's where I first and found Star Trek, sat down with my dad. Yeah. As very young, I must have been five or six when I started watching the original series. Yeah. It was the only show... It was on at the same time as the BBC News. Mm-hmm. And how TV used to work back in the 70s was you had children's TV up until 6 o'clock. Then it went to adults and it was the news. And there was no more kids' TV. Oh, right, yeah. There wasn't channels for it and all that. We didn't have what all what we have now. But on, at 6 o'clock, one day a week, was Star Trek. And that was the only day of the week that we didn't watch the news. Yeah. <laughs> and was that Wednesday as well? I believe it might have been. That BBC Two, Wednesday, 6 o'clock, they always showed sci-fi. It, it was. It was a for, oh well into the 90s, if not the 90s. Yeah, it was a great slot. It was. You always knew if it wasn't Star Trek, it was Battlestar Galactica or Buck yeah, Rogers. And, and then they got Buffy. Yeah, they did. Afterwards, it, oh, they butchered Buffy, though, showing it in your 6 o'clock time slot. <laughs> Even worse, though, I mean, this is for a separate podcast, but Channel 4, when they got Angel... Yeah, an episode, and it were about half an hour because yeah. they'd cut. Yeah, how much have to cut? It was insane, but yeah. Um, so what happened then was BBC got first run rights to Next Gen up till Best of Both Worlds Part Two, which was weird because they showed Part One and Part Two because we were well behind the stakes. Oh, we were about I've, a year at yeah, least. I think I've, you could almost. I think you could pretty much buy them on video. Yeah, as we've been shown on TV. Well, I remember um, in our local video shop. They had Unification as a TV movie, but that was coming out at the same time as season one of Next Gen videos were coming out. Yeah. You know, so it was like, what? well, Riker's got a beard. What, yeah, what's was... going on here? <laughs> um, so, so BBC Two showed it up until then. Then Sky uh, had become popular at the time. And they sort of got the rights to Next Gen, got the rights to DS9. You know, all of all of Next Gen was still shown on BBC It too. was, but I don't think it was first run. I think Sky I don't, I don't jumped know, in with we, it. I, we didn't have Sky back yeah, then. Yeah, I, th- I think season four onwards, Sky bought it up. Because I remember when they started showing um, season four on BBC. And by that time, we were up to about season seven. Right. Um, so, you know, it was crazy. And then, so they got the first run rights to DS9. So the first time I came across it was I was in a Blockbuster video and they just had it next to the next gen and it was just this 
quite angry looking guy on the front, I, which was I actually um, actually when it was first came out, I bought the emissary yeah. on video because that was put on general release. That was it very very quickly after it was that was shown, but I bought the special edition in yeah. the black hair case. Oh yeah, I remember that. I still one. got it somewhere. It's got a little documentary at the end of it. Yeah, it? It, yeah. it also has um, a number on it for which version, and I can't yeah. I can't remember what number. So I, I remember I, I bought that, but I bought the normal edition as well, so yeah. I, like, I don't want to watch my special edition. I'll put my hands up, I'm the sad guy who's still got my video collection. And you do, right? Some of them will probably but, be worth something. And I still have a working video recorder. Have you got any Disney films? I read an article on the internet saying Disney films are selling for loads on VHS I think I've got now. the Aristocrat Cats. Have a look on eBay, <laughs> see what it's going for. But yeah, so Blockbuster was basically, what they were doing was getting DS9 for rental... Uh, after it was airing in the States. So every two weeks, you'd get a new rental. And then they started doing them sell-through at the same time and everything. And we had Sky, um, but when DS9 first started, that was sort of in my pre-Trekkie days. But then I I was really into it season two. I think I got myself cable in 97 or 98, and I really... Watched a lot of DS9 yeah. at that point. And I was really impatient. Like, I didn't want to wait for Sky to show it. Because they were on a... What Sky used to do is because in the States you have uh, mid-season breaks. Yeah. What Sky used to do was wait until the mid-season break had gone. And then so sh- they could broadcast all 26 uninterrupted. Without, yeah. You used well, to get that... Well, we used to do that with a lot of shows in yeah. the UK. Which, it has its benefits to doing it like that. But the problem is, you you can. I was seeing it there in Blockbuster, and you're yeah. thinking, "Oh, I need to Should, see it." Yeah, but um, yeah. So that was how I got into it was the videos. So obviously, DS Nine, Been and Gone, finished in '99. How do you rate it now? Um, no, I still rate DS Nine very highly. Like, I'm a massive fan of TOS because I, I've put TOS at the top always. Yeah. Because we wouldn't have any of the other Star Trek series without TOS. Yeah. And TOS has episodes that are now culturally relevant. They're part of oh, yeah. full-on culture. Yeah. But I think out of all the other series, then I'd rate DS9 as my most favourite. Yeah, I mean, it's I rate it number one. I mean, yeah. Like you, I, you know, I, I love all the Star Trek. Yeah, we I, wouldn't be doing a podcast no. if we didn't, but... <laughs> But yeah, D- DS9 were my. It was it series. was ahead of its time. It was it was it. I think looking back, a, a lot of people don't realise just how ahead of its time DS9 no. stands up to modern TV viewing. Absolutely, it, you can watch it on streaming services in binge watching. And this it, is one of the things they touch on in the documentary is that a load of people are rediscovering it now. Yeah, because they're doing exactly that. They're yeah. binge watching it. And it, it works like that yeah, much I'm, better than the other series. But. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be starting... I'm, a, I'm in the process of a major rewatch. Yeah. I'm doing it in chronological order at the moment. Yeah. And I'm about 10 episodes into the animated series, so I've only got another 12 to go, and I'll be starting TNG. Yeah. <laughs> but I think TNG's going to be very hard in standalone episodes. I don't think TNG has stood the test of time watchable. The same no, way as... Not in the same way as DS9. Yeah. I mean, TNG for me is one where, depending on what sort of mood I'm in, I'll stick on an episode that I yeah. feel like watching at yeah, the time. It, I think TNG is very easy if you just want to watch one episode of yeah. Star Trek. You can pick out a highlight from TNG yeah. and think, I'll just watch this one episode. DS9, it's hard. DS9 yeah. is very hard to do. Like, like you want to watch one episode and you have to watch six or seven because yeah. of the story arc. And yeah, DS9, you have to sit down and go, I'm doing a rewatch of all seven. Yeah. And I, I started doing it while I was in hospital. I, when I finally sort of came around enough to work my tablet, I was like, right, I'm going to do it. And yeah. I watched most of season one yeah. before I came right. out of hospital. I'm quite- like, I have to go right through to season five of TNG before I start before watching start, DS9. DS9 yeah. I've got a lot of watching to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's fair to say we think highly of DS9 yeah. then. So, this was the only time this documentary was showing. We got one night only yeah. in England. Yeah, the States um, only has one night. So yeah, they did. It's obviously been what they've decided. And to be fair, it was nice going. In the cinema, it was 
three good three quarters. I would say so. Yeah. Which in the UK for to get a cinema like that, and it, it's not bad on a Wednesday night. Yeah. And also, I don't think it was massively advertised. No, it wasn't. I mean, the, so it was sort of like word. It was almost word of mouth how we heard about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it was only because we follow so many groups yeah. and everything, and um, I think this is one of them films that nobody would go see it on a whim. They, you were going oh, to see it, it because it was really nice because we were in a cinema watching a Star Trek doc, movie documentary, yeah. but every single person in there was a Trekkie. You could tell, yeah. <laughs> and I remember we were stood outside because we were dressed up in full uniform yeah. and everything. And As you do when you go to the pictures. A bunch of people walked past us and one of them had a Star Trek t-shirt and they sort of said, I heard one of them say, oh, well, we're in the right place. <laughs> it was pretty good. I was tempted, though, that when we went up to the ticket counter, go, two for Toy Story, please. Just <laughs> see what address. Yeah, just see what they say. But... Well, we did that in the taxi, didn't we, in Sheffield when you asked if, are you yeah. doing anything today, lads? Well, no, we're just off to office. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the listeners, we, we weren't. We were off to a convention. <laughs> just in our Star Trek uniforms. Uh, yeah. It's like, what do you think we're doing dressed like yeah. this? Either the uh, taxi driver won't paying attention or he's seen weirder things in Sheffield. Yeah. <laughs> Sheffield is quite weird, it to be It can fair. be at times. So, <laughs> on to the documentary then. So, as I say, we'll try not to spoil it too much, but um, it, it was sort of structured differently to it. It wasn't just talking heads. I mean, there was a bit of that. Yeah. But there, there were sort of these skits as well, like... Yeah. The, there's people got, doing song and dance numbers. Yeah, and, and there was obviously... Some of the things that people were saying about each other was scripted. You could tell how they were yeah, like, yeah. laughing and joking about yeah about each other. And they had, I think it was Max Grodden chick opens yeah, it with yeah. a, a song. <laughs> and then... And it, with DS9 yeah, flavoured yeah, lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Sort of uh, very much in the style of um, Vic Fontaine. Vic Fontaine. Yeah, so that that was great. <laughs> and they had a lot of stuff with Andy Rob- Robinson. Like, he sort of does an almost sort of Rod Serling Twilight Zone yeah. opening. But he, he's he, the, the conceit of it is kind of that Andy Robinson's sort of dictating what's going on in <laughs> yeah. this documentary. And he's, he's sort of hamming it up kind of like Garak now. Yeah, and- well... He's, very, he's obviously very passionate about the character because he's written a, a novel. Yeah, which is... <laughs> it, it, anyone who gets a chance, I highly recommend A Stitch in Time by yeah, Andrew Robinson. It's really good. It, it digs into Garak. Yeah. And you get Gulder Cat's first name in it, which yeah. you never got in the series, which is quite good. Um, we'll get on to Gulder Cat in a bit because the Michael Imo <laughs> had some good stuff on the documentary. Um, another one of the skits they do is a bit where... They've sort of got check boxes for what issues DS9 tackled and dealt with. And there's this bit about have they dealt well enough with LGBTQ. And yeah. It, it, they sort of give themselves a ticket first for rejoin, but then Ira Bear says, no, 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 no we, we didn't do enough. We didn't do enough. And they talk about, and this is a bit of a spoiler, they talk about how Garrick was intended to be gay. Yeah. Um, and it... I said to uh, you, didn't I, in the car after I was like, I'd never thought of it. No, but, but then we, but the pl- like the showing with his hands behind the doctor, and actually you can see it really. Yeah, because um, come with me to my shop. I, w- I won't repeat exactly how Andy Robinson phrases it, but he says, you know, at first he just wants to mm, Bashir, and I thought, oh, he's joking. But then you look back at it and you think, I think that is what they were going yeah. for. Yeah, and th- there's this interesting bit where Ira Bear says, well, we we didn't even have the confidence to go to the network and say we want to do this because we knew we'd get shot down. Yeah. Well, and, TV was very different in the 90s. Yeah. It, it isn't that long ago. No, it isn't. It's Well, it finished 20 years ago. I mean, you even look back at, like, uh, you know, we were talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Joss Whedon had such a problem with that that he wanted to show Willow and Tara a kiss. Yeah. And he wasn't allowed for, like, two seasons. Well, it was a big deal with... Uh, Jadzia. Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was a huge um, thing yeah. at the time. And it. what was interesting about that is a lot of people sort of took quite a tacky sort of approach. They're like, wait, two women kissing. Wait. And there was a bit of that going on because it, it has become sort of a cliche that shows when they're struggling in the ratings. Like, Heroes did it. Yeah. They did this episode. Oh, Claire's going to have a, a same-sex kiss in yeah. this episode. 
and it was purely for a rating yeah. stunt. Well, I don't think it was a DS9. No, that's what I was coming round to no. say. Is that and, and it wasn't even played as being a gay. It was no, just no, it that wasn't. These are two trills. They've been in. They were husband and wife in her previous. Yeah, that was incarnation. They just. This is two people, regardless of sex, who actually love each yeah. other. Who are, and the the way they played the taboo element of it was by saying trill society forbids this not. Not because it's same sex, but because because it's you're not allowed to reconnect with people. Yeah, you you are sort of forcing a previous re- emotions from somebody else. Onto, yeah, on somebody and else, which I, is I, I kind of get that with real society because I suppose all that would happen then is you would have these this couple who reconnect and reconnect and reconnect, yeah. and it's gonna the the symbiont is going to inhibit what the host can do with their yeah. life, kind of yeah. thing. And you know, and it does make a lot of sense. It does, yeah. And they do sort of touch on it again with when Esri comes into it with Worf and things. So, yeah, I mean, rejoined. It was a really good, strong episode. It was a powerful episode at the time. But I liked that Ira Bear was like, "I don't. We didn't do enough. Yeah, we could have pushed it a bit further." And you know, we're seeing that in Discovery now that we've got a gay couple who are just part of the furniture. You know, it's not a big thing. Yeah. It's just that's the way it is, and that that I think well, TV's TV has actually moved on a huge amount. It has, yeah. In what's allowable and what you can show, and, and I've, I think also people's uh, perceptions have yeah. moved on a bit. It's it, like in the seventies, it was massively taboo. Yeah, yeah. Was being gay. Eighties, it was still nineties. Yeah, I mean, I remember. But I think it's a lot more acceptable now. It's it is seen as a lot. I mean, I remember when I was at school, sort of in the eighties, nineties, and it was still, um, you know, boys would bully each other and accuse each other of being yeah. gay as if it's the worst thing. Yeah. And when I was a teacher, um, you know, about six, seven years ago now. Um, there were kids in my classes who'd come out, you know, at, at 14, 15 yeah. or whatever, and their classmates were supportive of it. Yeah. And, and that's the change, yeah, you know, it, that's 10 years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it it's it's interesting it's a, it's that a good that's thing, something. It's a good thing as a society that we have moved oh, on absolutely. like that. absolutely. And it fits in with Star Trek, yeah. I mean, obviously. But, yes, yeah, so that was interesting. The other sort of major issue they raised was um, about how... Bear didn't feel they got enough credit for the portrayal of um, black people on screen in a black family. And yeah. He was quite annoyed that this documentary well, had gone out. There was, and another, said, there was another documentary that's gone out in America about yeah. this. And, it, and they've, they've uh, listed some American crime drama. I can't remember yeah, which one it was. The Homicide Life on the Street yeah. or something. It's been the only one where to show just all blacks on screen at the same time. And he went, hold on, we were doing that on DSI. Yeah, we've done that. <laughs> yeah. And we way before them. You realise as well. You think, oh yeah, they did, but I never thought about that with Deep Space no. Nine. Like you know, it, I, I didn't think, oh, they've gone for a black captain. It, it wasn't like, well, like I'm, I'm a bit older than James, and I remember, I do remember, like there was things being right. said about how can you have a black captain at the time, and that's one of the reasons. But allegedly, that the studio had him as a commander. Right, okay, why they went with him, see that's... Being a commander, it's like there was the same with Janeway being a captain. I I remember the stuff about Janeway, yeah. but they'd had it it with the black captain, it was a a big... My understanding with DS9 is that they didn't specifically call for African-American actors, they... they, I read a thing where they said the only race-based decision we made was after they cast Avery Brooks they had to say we want an African-American teenager because otherwise it wouldn't make sense as his son, you know. And I love how sort of proud Avery Brooks comes across about what they did for that. And that's one thing to mention as well is that there's no new footage of Avery. No, no. I think think he's uh, very much... He's isolated somewhat, isn't he? he? I saw a thing where he said that he feels like he's done... Everything he needs to in the media realm, and yeah, he's like retired, you know. Yeah, he's a a professor at an acting school, isn't he? So, yeah, he's obviously passing on what he does. But we do get (laughs) a lot of the 
the cast reaction, they all describe him as like a jazz musician. Yeah, yeah if you want to speak to Avery, you need to understand that how you need yeah. to understand jazz. <laughs> he says he doesn't speak in full sentences. <laughs> and, and then it shows a clip of him and he just says something. And um, where they're talking about his directing style. And the guy says, yeah, he just came up to me and he said, hey man, slalom, you dig? <laughs> that was his direction. Yeah, someone did press him actually, and then he went, Well, what? what and he was very precise yeah. with what he wanted them to do. Oh, yeah, with the camera set up yeah. and everything. Yeah, he definitely he knows was very what precise. He, wants. he knew what he wanted, but talking to people when they got nervous acting, just slalom. Whoa. <laughs> He's an interesting guy. I mean, I do. I do wish they'd got an interview with him because he's absolute gold. He I is. mean, he's, he's one of a kind. <laughs> um, but the the other actors, I think pretty much everybody was there. I can't think of an omission, really. No, the... And, um, you know, you get a lot of insight from them. And Mark Alemo, as I said, were, had some good stories. Like, he was sort of jokingly chastising Ira Bear and saying, you never give us any credit. Yeah, you never told me how good I was. And <laughs> if I was any good or... And Ira's answer was, well, we kept writing you more episodes <laughs> and that was... That's how writers tell you that you're good because you're allowed to come yeah. back. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting that the actors are wanting sort of plaudits from the writers rather than the other actors or the directors. It's yeah. the writers that they look up to. Yeah. And that's interesting. So a lot of the time... Well, they do say, like, a good actor can turn a bad script, but also a good script can make, can a, bad make, act, can yeah. make a bad actor look good. Yeah, and it's good to see that sort of relationship between them. So I think, generally, I mean, there was a thing on um, Radio 5's film show about this, actually, with this point being raised, that critics don't really talk about the writers as much as they perhaps should. Yeah. And I think I think we do a little bit more with TV, because we're in this sort of phase now where they, they call it sort of auteur TV, where you've got um, showrunners who are also writers. And, you know, yeah. I think people like J. Michael Straczynski and Joss Whedon, who they really... Yeah, the... they're very hands-on with their shows. And I got the impression that Ira Bear was very much that yeah. with DS9. I mean, I looked um, up obviously Michael Pillar the talk about and the yeah. respect rest his soul because that was it. Pillar was the showrunner for seasons one and two, and then Bear took over season yeah. three. And you know, it it does seem very very hands on with it, and you don't get the impression that Voyager had that or that Enterprise had that. No, not in quite the same I mean, way. Enterprise got it a little bit more season three and four. So they brought in Manny Cotto, yeah. and he he really sort of knuckled down with it and. The idea was for Discovery to have that with Brian Fuller, but he did a Brian Fuller and yeah. disappeared after well, a couple. Well, they've got uh, Michelle... Oh, I can't remember his surname, who's coming in for season three of Yeah, they have. And they, and they say that she's very character-driven yeah. in, in a right. And they've so. just appointed a showrunner for Picard now as well. Yeah. Um, so originally they were going to do it, have basically have the writer's room as the showrunners, uh, but now they've, they've gone with one, which I think is probably the best idea. But um, speaking of the writer's room, one of the really interesting things about this documentary is that they they get together five of the, the big writers, the staff writers, yeah. and they show us sort of fly-on-the-wall style, them basically hashing out, if we brought DS9 back now, yeah, what, what would episode yeah, one be? Yeah, they give us the story of episode one. And it, I thought this was just so much fun watching these guys. Yeah, how they think and throw ideas just, about yeah, them. and. And like I said, we've only got one day to do this. Yeah. Which was quite interesting at the end of it because they go, um, it normally used to take us two or three days to yeah. do this. <laughs> and they point out, you get more work, we do more work yeah. in a short time when we're not being paid. Not we don't being drag paid it out. It. <laughs> I got the impression, because they say, well, we're not coming back tomorrow. I get the impression that if somebody had said, shall we, they, they, would, they have. would have done. And yeah, it, it showed me sort of how collaborative the writer's process is because. You know, when we watch any show, we get and you know we always give like the writers credit. Or we do when I remember. Yeah, to give writers credits in Trek, and we say it was written by so and so, so and so. But it is. It isn't just that one person no. as a whole. I think there's a cheap, a lead writer who's probably had the main idea. Yeah, there's the person who who gets. They hash it out. They break the story in the writers' room, and then they say, "Right, you go off and write it," and they get credited as the writer. Yeah. But 
even down to specific lines of dialogue, you had bits in this where they were saying, well, Nog should say this. Yeah. No, what about this? Yeah, and this is how they'd speak. Yeah, and and they were like, no, no, let's put this line in. Oh, that'd be better. And they change it. And, you know, so when the writer goes away, they'll take away that bit of dialogue. I don't think we should say what happens in episode episode one and ruin it for anyone. No, no, because that's part of the fun. And they they animate it as well. They've got this really cool animated style. Don't they? And that it does. I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd actually and watch that. I that think is a, it's an animated show. It I wasn't. W- I would hope that if Alex Kurtzman watches that, even if they do it as an out of canon, nothing to do with anything, just go. You know what? Let's make it. Yeah. Let's do one episode. Well, I'm hoping from this that CBS sort of thinks. Let's do a few things. Yeah, because I mean, DS9 season eight now would. I mean, they were doing stuff then that's. That like we said, ahead of the is game. ahead of the curve, and what they do with it yeah, now. I'd said, were, I'd said, like the filming style or the storytelling style, they were twenty years ahead of the time. Yeah, they were, and I think is it um, Alexander Sadig who says that. You know, he says it took yeah. people twenty years to to realize what we were doing and come yeah. around to it. And then the last sort of major element I want to talk about with the film is the HD remastering. Yeah. Uh, which just looks phenomenal. I actually sat in the cinema and my jaw dropped and I had shivers yeah. running up my body watching the battle. Because they've, they've done it, they've made it widescreen, which DS9... Well, DS was like, DS9, what we didn't, none of us ever yeah. realised, was shot in a widescreen. Well, it, and it, they have, um, they speak to the chief cameraman who made that decision. Yeah. And it says, now you can see why. <laughs> yeah, it, what he did was, I mean, they were shooting it for 4.3, which is the, the TV aspect ratio at the, the time. But he said... We he all fil- remember our old square TVs. <laughs> he filmed it in a way that he described as widescreen safe, which means that if you expand it out to 16.9, there's nothing extraneous within that frame. Yeah. Because a lot of shows have had this problem, like Buffy, again, is a, a perfect example. Um, you could. It's worth googling and looking at it because Joss Whedon was really unhappy with the HD remasters. Because what they did was they 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 took the footage because Buffy was filmed in the same way. Yeah. You know, um, so you film with a sixteen nine camera and then you crop it to fit a TV. Uh, but Buffy, they weren't filming it widescreen friendly, so you had boom mics and you had yeah. camera guys in view, and you could see the top of the set and. Joss Whedon said, you know, it looks terrible. You can't release this. It yeah. looks amateurish. But apparently what a lot of um, networks and producers are finding is that newer viewers, when they watch it sc- streaming, don't want to watch it in 4.3. No. And it, it puts them off. And so they're okay, we'll make it in a widescreen. But you can't do that if a show's not been made not to being, fit. Yeah. Whereas it looks like this, whoever... DS, yeah, the guy's still going. Look at I was, I was questioned at the time for doing it. Yeah, but look back at it was genius move. Yeah, exactly. The director of photography's took that decision and gone. I'm going to film it, and it it's going to be safe if anybody ever wants to do this. Yeah, and looking at this footage, you really wish that they would because oh. they do bits where they show a wipe and it goes from what it used oh. to look like to uh, what it yeah, looks like now. Yeah, they show the whole thing and they show it. How we saw it in four three and the difference yeah. in 16.9. and you can see that it, it the colours are the, just the, amazing. Yeah, but and the battles. Oh, yeah, they, the the battle the ships are so crisp. It was they look it, incredible. It was yeah. It's the for anyone who's not seen it, and if you've not seen it and you're still listening, well done. Um, it's the battle from a time no sacrifice of angels where it's the Defiant and the Federation and the Klingons against the Dominion blockade. And you get about two minutes of it, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And it it just looked... Time was hard to tell. Yeah. Like was. I say, my jaw dropped watching it and I had shivers and just... It just looked incredible. <laughs> and I know there's numerous online petitions and everything and well, the, the problem seems to be the studio not wanting to spend the money well, it takes CBS to do it. Well, CBS have supposedly said it'll cost $10 million dollars... Yeah. To do this, and I don't think they'd get the sales back. I'm sorry, but I think they would. I mean, well, not just for DVDs, I'm Blu-ray sales, like, but also for the streaming services. The streaming services must pay a fortune 
And, you know, I've got a set of my DS9 DVDs up there, and I'd keep them, but I'd buy the Blu-rays after that. Well, I've got DS9 on video. There you go. Like, I have an entire bookcase for my DS9 videos, because it has a picture that runs through the spine. Yeah, that's cool. So why wouldn't you have them on display like that? No, exactly. I did it, actually, one time I had a shelf, so they're in a straight line. But it takes a bit of doing, so it's like 80 tapes or something. three shells together to do right. it but it was worth it it did it was amazing to see the yeah. picture running through the spine as one yes yeah, it starts <laughs> off at the station doesn't it and it because yeah what what they did for anyone who wasn't in the uk was on the spine of each tip there was a little square box and it just had a snippet of a larger sort of mosaic yeah and it built up volume by volume by volume and one one video you might have the start of a nebula and then it'd be the next bit of the nebula and the next bit yeah and then it'd be a bit of the defiant and <laughs> you know it'd keep going and it, it starts with the station and if i remember rightly it loops back to the station yeah, at the end of season seven um so yeah uh, you know yeah if i remember rightly it was it was about 13 feet or something, 13 or 14 feet. It would be huge. Just so, yeah, you can imagine you need, you need a bit of space. VHS to... takes up a lot of room. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Blu-rays take up a lot of room, yeah. but never it's mind. It's now spread over a bookcase, which is over four shelves, but... <laughs> it's, you still... still get the effect, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so, anything else on the documentary that you want to cover without giving more um, away than I have? Well, I think it's... I don't know if anyone will get a chance to see it again at pictures if it'll ever be, come back again. Yeah. But sit till the end because there's an amazing talk with the producers. Yeah. And like, we say end scene, but what must have been a good 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah. And they were talking about, it was really interesting, they were talking about the process of how they did all the HD. Yeah. And, but CBS was really helpful, which makes you wonder if CBS are interested yeah. in doing it. To dig out so many rolls of tape costs. When you convert something, when it gets in storage, yeah, it's not like having one episode on one tape. No, it's everything it, that was filmed on this day, day goes it, in one reel. Yeah, is is in a box of one reel, and you might have a snippet from this yeah. and this. So it's not in order. So they told um, CBS what they wanted, and CBS got it all together for them. Yeah, somebody's done a lot of work there. They yeah. were saying things like it'll be. To construct one scene, you might have a wide-angle shot that's in one box, but then there's an over-the-shoulder shot that's in, in another, another box. Yeah. And then, obviously, that's just the the practical scenes, but then you've got the model effects, and you've got... Yeah. Later on, you've got the CGI, and... It, yeah, it's massive. So it's it's an enormous undertaking, but, yeah, it, there's no way they won't make the 10 million back. I mean, look at what Trekkies will spend the money on, you know, will yeah. we, we'll buy. I mean, we're not... Obviously, it's in a video um, podcast, but if you could look around this room, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's enough to couple to of hundred, ba- couple of hundred, hundred models. models, and then DVDs <laughs> and books and everything. So yeah. you know, we will buy it. Is what we're saying <laughs> at CBS. Um, but yeah, if those petitions do any good, get them signed. And when this comes out, I'm definitely yeah, buying def- it on Blu-ray. We've ha- I can't recommend this enough. I'm hoping that there's hours and hours well, that they cut from well, it. Well, they were talking, weren't they, at the end? There was Iris Tim and Burr, while the credits are rolling, he starts talking to Nan the Visitor. Yes. And they're talking about... Uh, which episodes which they couldn't episodes. put in. Yeah, and there's loads of go. And they talked about if they'd put everything in, it'd have been eight hours long. Yeah. And going, well, will it be on the Blu-ray? And sort of, well, yeah, hopefully. I, I'd have happily watched eight hours of it. Like, hopefully. They do let us know what the best episode of DS9 yeah, was. The best moment. Shall we Shall we spoil this? I'd, again, you know, skip, press your skip forward if you 30, don't want 60 to hear, seconds button. But they do reveal what all the cast writers, everyone who was involved <laughs> in making DS9 says is the best moment in DS9. Yep. Uh, it's Alamarine, hey, can't too far. <laughs> I knew that were coming as soon as they said it. But yeah, it's thoroughly recommended. Um, and I, I don't think really we can say anymore. Maybe when we get the Blu-ray release, we'll do a follow-up we'll do episode a follow-up and, we'll, and we'll dig into it a bit yeah, more. We'll actually review the whole thing, not just how much we yeah. enjoyed it. So for the rest of this episode, then we're going to 
have a quick glance over Deep Space Nine, pick out a few highlights, um, because, again, I hope at some point on Retrek we'll get the chance to look at DS9 in much more depth. But well, yeah, there's, I think we... I don't know if Alex Kurtzman's plan to always have an episode on the air well, comes that, across. Well, yeah, that'll be different, but it depends how long Retrek runs. We're, well, we're <laughs> going to need... We're going to need um, to have retired, really, to have the time to do that. But So, DS9, then, what I've done is, for each season, picked out a couple of episodes. So, first of all, the pilot, Emissary, season one. I thought, at the time, and possibly with the exception of Discovery, I think this is Trek's strongest pilot. Yeah, it's a good pilot. It's, it's, it's a lot more like next-gen and counter Farpoint struggle. Yeah, well, it was nice that... It um, had a direct throwback to TNG, so we, yeah. saw, we saw the Battle of War 359. Yeah. We, and we haven't really seen that in TNG. No. But it was nice that that's an, for the time, it's a great that was an amazing sequence. piece of. Yeah, because that'll have uh, all been models. It was as well. all models. It'll, on, and going back to the emissary on the uh, special edition, yeah. that is shown in the documentary it's, making that. That takes some doing. And we got Picard, so you got. The captain of the previous show. Yeah, yeah there was a Passover. Passing over to the new show. But it wasn't like it were buddies with Cisco either. That was really daring at the time to. Well, yeah. Well, we had Cisco still. We know Picard wasn't to blame for what Lacutus did, but he was Lacutus. Yeah. He'd killed his wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so, very difficult to separate yeah, it out. Yeah. But also, chronologically, it seems straight after. The events of Chain of Command. Yeah. So you've also got Picard's not in a way that he wants to deal with things. No, Picard's been traumatised. Can you imagine that? Place. He's just come out of Chain of Command and go, right, next assignment, you're off to a Cardassian station. Yeah. <laughs> and you're dropping off a commander who hates you for killing his wife. Yeah. <laughs> not so nice. But, um, yeah, it's it's daring as well because you get... Here's your captain that you've well, loved. Y- yeah. You, you love Picard, but the new guy who we want you to love and we want you to follow him for seven him. years hates him. Yeah. And it's always daring you to take sides. Um, so, yeah, I think Emissary is very strong. It it falters a little bit, maybe. Some of the criticisms of it, it gets too talky towards the end where it's Cisco talking to the prophets. And it does to an extent, but it's necessary for that character. It is necessary. And when if you look at the... Like, Emissary's not concluded until the last episode of season seven, really. That's true, it, yeah. With the story arc, then <laughs> probably going forward into season eight and nine. <laughs> yeah, true, if it happened. If it happened. No, absolutely. And that's so, it. I think it's very necessary to set up with the profits. It is. As as I it mean, does. you don't realise how much groundwork, until you watch it again in retrospect, is done in this yeah. episode. Yeah, there's a huge amount. You've got Gulder Cat there. You've got the idea that Cisco's the emery, emissary. You've got the prophets. You've got the orbs. There's yeah, so much got, going was, on. Uh, uh, single father, how he's yeah. been broken. You've got loads of like set up for the Bajoran politics and everything. You know, yeah, it's very dense what they put into it. Yeah, and you don't realise. No, it's actually quite a good story as well. It's, so yeah, it's a good. It works to say as it's a doing stand- so much. It works as a standalone as well. Yeah. but it, it's a strong pilot another episode i wanted to flag up was move along home but i think we've covered that with ella moraine <laughs> yeah i just want to say i don't think move along home is as bad as everybody thinks no it's i think everybody thinks of that bit and so they think the it's thing. awful yeah um I think as a whole i think it's very unexplained where they've actually gone to well, yeah, it's a game. And it, but where have they been transported? They're to on them? their ship, maybe, because Odo goes through a door and ends up back at Quark's. Mm. So I, I'm thinking maybe it's like a holodeck on their yeah, ship. Yeah, it's very strange. Something like that. Um, but I, I don't think, I think it's quite a fun concept, the crew having to play a game and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Uh, but for me, the standout episode of season one was Duet, where Kira's got the Cardassian guy. And it's all, she thinks he's a war criminal and it goes back and forth. It's like, is he, isn't he? Isn't he a duet where he's, uh, where he's actually admitted to being the cad yeah, war criminal? Yeah, he does. Yeah. At first, they, he's got this disease. Yeah. And they work out, you can only get this disease if you're at this prison camp. And so she's like, well, you must be so-and-so. But then they find some evidence that it's not him. And he says, no, I am. And I won't spoil the twists and everything for anyone who's not seen it, but 
it it's, is a, it's a phenomenal it, piece it of is. drama. There was actually somebody did a best episodes yeah. review on one of the Star Trek pages. And Duet's actually right up there as one of the strongest of all, all Star Trek. Yeah, it absolutely should be. It's it's basically a two man play, Kira yeah. and the Cardassian. It is, it's really good. It's amazing stuff. Moving on to season two then, and they mentioned this in the documentary is that they went for a three part episode to open it, which were the first time anyone had done a three part episode, yeah. I think. Well, well certainly the first well, time Trek had. Yeah. Like all T V at the time was it was two parts was the most you could get yeah, away with. Yeah, most most TV was made for syndication where you could tune in and just watch an episode. And it was usually, if you were going to do a two-parter, it was for your season-ending cliffhanger yeah. so that you could get people next season. Yeah. But this one, start season two, three episodes. So I remember yeah. watching the second one and as it were getting near the end, thinking there's not a lot of time for this to wrap up. And then to be continued again at yeah. the end of the second episode, what? And... The weird thing about this was, as I said earlier on, you know, I was watching these on VHS, and we got two episodes per tape. Yeah, you did. So, so I got the ho- I got the homecoming in the circle and had to wait two weeks for the siege. Buy a new one. So you know that again pushing the boundary for that. Um, later in the season, we get the episode crossover where they go to the mirror universe for the first yeah. time in DS Nine, and I loved it. That was just, it. That was it was nice to go back. Well. TNG never went to the movie no. universe, so... And this was an out-and-out out sequel to a TOS episode, and they made yeah. no bones about no, it. No, they didn't. It, and it was... Because this is this is what's happened by Kirk from your universe and yeah. in Spock, that the Terran Empire has fallen. Yeah. And it, it built on it, and it had fun with it, and I think the DS9... Mirror Universe episodes go downhill gradually. I think the first couple are pretty strong. Yeah. But by the time we get to the last ones with the Nagus and stuff... Yeah, some of them get a bit silly. A bit and... silly. And they have one where they bring back Vedic Burial, which nobody needs. No. But, um, yeah, so that were another great one. And then the finale was the Gem Hadar where they'd seeded these mentions of the Dominion all through the season. Yeah. There was just a throwaway mention of them here and then a little bit there. Yeah. and. and... So we knew something well, was coming. Well, it'd be mentioned almost from the beginning, hadn't it? Yeah. So it almost... It's, I think it's, the, it's fact, season two. Me- yeah, but the Dominion had been mentioned right back in the early stages of season one, I'm sure. No, it's, it is season two when you get the first mention of them. Um, you sure? Yeah, it's Rules of Acquisition, the first episode. You sure they're not mentioned in any of the others? I'm pretty Just people saying that the Domin- that the part of the Dominion are... No, it's the first time you hear the word the Dominion. Okay. There might be mentions of stuff and right there's mentions of changelings certainly yeah. and things like that uh, and then it builds to the finale the gem hadar where bear in mind tng had just been finished it finished it wasn't cancelled it finished its yeah, run finished its run so it. what they do and they say this in the documentary is we're going to blow up a galaxy class <laughs> starship <laughs> and i know a lot of people weren't happy about that but i remember watching it at the time and it was just jaw dropping it was like yeah it was it was like these are a serious, serious threat. Yeah, because we'd seen, we'd had seven years of the Galaxy class being able to take on anything. Yeah, and the Gem Hadan, they do it through a kamikaze run showing yeah. they do not care. Yeah. And I think what makes these different, say, the Borg, because you could compare the episode the Gem Hadar to Q Who, for example. We introduce a new scary villain. But the difference is the Gem Hadar know where you live and they know how to get to you, whereas yeah, the Borg, it was. We're going to see the bog now and again. Yeah. But the Gem Hadar are actually a worm all the way, which is minutes. That's it. And we're not forgetting about them. And then, you know, that goes nicely into season three where we start with the search and we're going straight into the Gamma Quadrant to find them. Yeah. And we get the twist there. Spoilers for all the DS9. Yeah, sorry if you haven't seen DS9 yet, but why the hell haven't you? No, you need to. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, in the search, you get Odo's people, uh, the changelings. Yes. who are the Dominion, they're the founders, founders of the Dominion. And that was a big twist at the time. And it was one of those where I thought, who were all those people? We're going to go on forever. Yeah. I thought that's going to be, you'll find out in season seven. But they were like, no, we're going to give you an answer and it's going to have impact for the rest of the run of the show. And that was great. And then mid-season, we get another two-parter, uh, which was past tense and improbable cause. Yeah where basically, pardon my language, the shit hits the fan in that episode. That's where 
the Obsidian Order and the uh, Tal Shiar decide to destroy the Founders. Yeah, which doesn't go very well for them. No, and we but we also get um, some insight into Odo. Yeah, him. you get a great bit where Garak has to torture Odo. Yeah. And, you, you know, it's René Aubergenois and Andy Robinson are just brilliant actors and you get this scene between them. And, you know, it shows how well DS9 is developing its supporting cast that such a pivotal, a pivotal episode is built around Garak, you know? Yeah. But he's that good that we want to know. Yeah, I, I don't know if by the end of it you can actually say Andrew Robinson was supporting cast. He was no, main character. No, you shouldn't. He, he might... I think... I think in he's this classed as a regular recurring actor. Yeah. Of it, but I think in nowadays, this day and age, he'd have been bumped up to regular cast, yeah. as would a lot of um, guys. Um, so, you know, that episode, you get a big sort of space battle and everything in that one. And the other two-parter of the season, which was a little bit early, was uh, Past Tense, where Bashir, Dax and Cisco get thrown back in time and they're in these called Sanctuary Districts. And yeah. You watch that episode now and you think we're about two steps away it's, from that. It's actually very scary how it really is weird. How, how realistic when the show's and the timeline's about right as well. Yeah. If I remember rightly, is it in the the twenty twenties or the twenty fifties? It's yeah, not, it's not far away. It's not a long way away, and scarily neither are we. Yeah. <laughs> Again, DS Nine did a lot of interesting stuff in terms social of commentary. social commentary. Yeah, season four brought in Worf. And yeah, started with the way of the warrior, which was basically they treated it like a second pilot. Yeah, and it it basically had pretty much a move, almost a movie. Yeah, uh, budget at, at the time. Because I think what that was to do, it's like we're gonna get back all the last last lap, Stephen, next gen viewers. Yeah, and we're throwing everything at it, and you get what was far and away at the time the biggest and best battle you'd ever seen in Star Trek. I think pretty much on TV, to be fair, with any yeah. sci-fi. It's in just, fact, it was. It, it was competing with what you were seeing in movies. Yeah, what they do in that episode's incredible. Yeah. And I think Worf works as well. It's not just a gimmick. It's not, here's a next-gen character. No, it, it was brought in well. And it, it, it was a good re- there was a good reason for him yeah. being there. And it fits in. And he doesn't take over. It doesn't become yeah. the Worf show. Yeah, it, it's, it's just after the events of Generations. Yeah. So he's he he's not got an assignment and yeah. yeah, so that's a great episode and then it goes straight into the visitor with um, Cisco and you get Tony Todd playing an older Jake Cisco yeah it, I think that's a great episode that's one as well. of the standouts as well it is that, for acting that always makes it high up on the list yes um, and then later in the season a good comedy episode Armand Bashir which is just a James <laughs> Bond spoof yeah. It, and it's a it's a holodeck episode, isn't it? Yeah, and Avery Brooks loves hamming it up as <laughs> he's called Doctor Noah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, and that's it shows what they can you know they can go from the visitor Waman Bashir, yeah, the really, style, really the terms, and can jump around, and yeah, it's just like great. Visitors does jerk at your emotions, and then oh yeah, and then you're giving a good laugh afterwards. Exactly, Let's yeah, you back up. And then season five, we had Trials and Tribulations, the 30-year episode. Which yeah, um, but how clever was that made? It's to brilliant. Put in, to put them into the TOS episode. Yeah. like it was. They called it Forrest Gump technology, and they did it a lot in Forrest Gump. Yeah. And it just, it's great. It's it so is, much it's, fun. It's really clever. And it also, apologies to Enterprise, but gives us the best explanation for the Klingons where Worf says we don't talk about it with yeah. outsiders. Yeah, it's better. It. And that was good enough for me. Yeah. And then they do the same as they did in season three. They have a sort of mid-season two-parter in Purgatory's Shadow and by Inferno's Flame, where the war just escalates again. And they do this really clever thing where Bashir's revealed to be a changeling. Yeah. And you realise how long it's been because he's wearing the old uniform. Yeah, uh, like it's a while since I've rewatched DS9. So yeah, if you'd worked out how long it had been, it's it's about four or five, four, five, six episodes, something that? like that. Because the the uniforms changed in Rapture, so it means that Bashir, when he's operating on Cisco's brain, is actually the changeling. Yeah, which is just crazy. And that's also got Wolf fighting in a like a gladiatorial arena. And it's got Gulder Cat finally showing his true colours yeah. and joining the Dominion. 
just phenomenal. It is a phenomenal two-parter. And then uh, there's Children of Time as well that season, which is one of the best Trek dilemmas where they've got the planet and it's their descendants. Yeah. And do we leave and knowing that we'll crash and these people will be born? Or now that we know about it, do we avoid it? But it'll mean these people never, never existed. existed. And that's just a, a great concept there. Then season six, this is where they went all out with the serialization. We got a six part basically yeah. episode to start. And that culminates with Sacrifice of Angels, which we were talking about the space battle earlier yeah. on. And again, it's just incredible stuff. Oh, all the stuff on the station we Kira starting a new resistance and Odo's loyalties are tested by the female changeling yeah. and Rom's up for execution and Cisco's got to come and rescue them and it's just incredible stuff. And then that season as well, we get far beyond the stars. Yeah, that's it's it's a very strange episode, but it's a brilliant episode. It is, yeah, it, like it's. It's full on social commentary. It this is. is how racism was in America. And it, but, the weird thing is, you don't really get what's going on until they revisit some of the ideas in the opening of season seven. Yeah. And you find out it's all to do with the profits and the power raids yeah. and things like that. But, and Avery Brooks, it depends how you feel about Avery's acting, but he puts in. A powerful performance, whichever it way you want to look at it. a massive powerful performance. And the, it's obviously a subject he feels very strongly yeah, about. Yeah, because he directed it as yeah. well. And um, the director of the episode says that when he has his breakdown at the end, this is in the documentary, he says, you know, if I hadn't a cold cut, Avery was that far into it that I think he'd have been there half an yeah. hour on the floor, <laughs> you know. It, so whatever you think about the man's acting style... He'd certainly give it a hundred percent for that episode, and um, there's also that season in the Pale Moonlight, which is another Cisco episode where it basically goes as dark as we've ever seen a Starfleet captain. I think he goes as dark as we've seen any Starfleet yeah. officer. I think um, he goes darker than what we've seen any any Section Thirty One, and I'm including in Discovery at the moment. Yeah, but he, it's. But you understand why he's doing the things oh, that he yeah. does. Yeah, you, you understand it. And... But it's, yeah, it's another very, very powerful yeah. episode. But and... It's just the end of it and he goes, I can live with my, I can live with it. Yeah. Delete log. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully there's not a, a backup anywhere. <laughs> and then season seven, I was going to pick out specific episodes, but you can't really with season, season seven. seven. Just got season seven. It has a couple of standalone episodes, yeah. but but even the standalones in season seven are usually wrapping up a thread yeah. that we've not yeah, there's dealt a lot with of, before. Yeah, we got Esri. Yeah, Esri comes in, and I which think, is very brave to come in in what you know is the last season. Yeah, taking over that somebody who's been an established character and a very popular character yeah. as well. And I think she's good, Esri. A lot of people are not happy with her and say that the season spent too much time on her and. Have various things like that, it, but it's it had a f quite a few early on, but it had to establish her it very did, quickly. Yeah, and to me, there is continuity between Jadzia and Ezri, so yeah. I, I don't feel like it's she doesn't deserve no. the, the time. But no, I think Ezri, I have I haven't got a problem with Ezri. No, and I, I like a new ship, the Emmett, the Emmett Till in Emmett Till. You said no spoilers for season eight. I don't I think didn't that's say, a spoiler. Well, season eight. Oh, I, said I, I like a ship. In <laughs> the book, she's got a ship as well, but I think it's called the Aventine or something. Yeah, the Aventel looks better. Everybody seems I to. Actually, I had know a couple of people who were scratch building. It does the look Emmental. a good ship. And I think clearly everybody thinks Esri should be a captain because she's in the novels. And, yeah. Um, we won't say whether she's or not in season eight, but she she's got her ship. own ship. Um, <laughs> So, the last ten episodes basically all run on... It's just one story. So one of, it is, basically, yeah. yeah. You, can't, you, can't, what, you can't start... You can't pick out an episode in the last half of season no. seven and watch on its own. You've got to watch it all. No, it is. I mean, there's, there's little arcs within the bigger story, yeah, but, but it, it is a, just one thing. And you get the impression that that's what they'd have been doing all the time if, if they did. If the studio had let them. Yeah. How do you feel about the last episode then, the what we leave behind, the two-parter? 
Um, Do you think it works as a, a finale? It, I think it does work as a finale, but I was always hopeful that, like, how TNG had its movie, mm. that DS9 had got its movies, but well, yeah, I mm. think if... Um, I'm trying to think when it ended. Uh, 94, we had Generations. DS9 ended 99. Yeah, what year did we have First Contact? 96. Uh, 97, 98, but, something like that. Yeah, but I think it was just shortly after night. After Insurrection, actually, yeah, got. I think it probably and was. I think if Insurrection had been better received and better Maybe. movie, would have got a DS9 movie. Maybe so. I mean, um, you were talking about Andy Robinson's A Stitch in Time. Uh, I saw him at a convention quite a few years ago now, and I said, oh, I really enjoyed... Because if I book. remember rightly, at the time, there was talk about there was going to be DSI yeah, movies. Yeah, well, this is what that. he said. Like, yeah. I said, I really enjoyed your book. And he says, oh, thank you. And I said, have you ever thought about writing another one? And he says, I would, if they did the movie. And he was adamant that he wanted to bring Garak back, you yeah. know. But he was hoping for a movie. And we had a very brief chat, like yeah. you do at conventions. Yeah, you don't get along, you... But we had a brief chat where I said, you know, you can imagine what they could do with the changelings on a movie budget and well, that's it. what it's... they could do with the battles and everything. But, I mean, I think, personally, I think it's one of the best season finales, it is, I, I, series I finales think it works, of anything. It works as a great season finale, but there is bits... Like, there is, they could carry on the story. Because we have Cisco to come back, because he, he does... He promises he, he will. He promises he will be back. Yeah. It's, and each of the characters is... Is given forward momentum as to where yeah. they're going to go next. Yeah, the the sort of carrying on. Yeah, and it's, it is it is tied up. It concludes. Yeah, the story. for me, I think it's it's phenomenal. I, I, it's probably my favourite Trek finale, and that's not to disparage all good things in any way. Because I think that's a phenomenal yeah, episode I think that's as great. well. But I think in this one, in terms of wrapping up a big story, because you get a lot of this where shows build up so much mythology and they build up so many ongoing strands and so many characters and then they can't quite juggle it all in the yeah. last episode. But I think well, DS9 does that. I think you get I think you get quite a few shows that they do have this and they get cut beyond before the time yeah. they have the problem. So the the writers originally might have planned it yeah. to run five, six, seven seasons and then they get told you know, you're being cut at the end of season five, so you've got to wrap everything up in one. Yeah, three well, seasons up in one season. Babylon which Five made... had that famously, and oh. um, the weirder one was Smallville that kept getting renewed. Yeah, and they said we wanted to finish it at season five. Yeah, but it got another five seasons, and more uh, recently, Supernatural. Supernatural, the defeat the devil at the end of season five, which is the ultimate bad guy. That's your bad really. guy. That's the end of your story. But we've had ten seasons since. Yeah. I've heard a rumour God's going to be the villain in season 15, <laughs> so maybe that's how you go one bigger, I don't know. Uh, but no, I thought DS9 did a phenomenal job yeah, all round. There's a couple of stinkers in there, but I would say not as many I as think, Next Gen or Voyager. Right, how many episodes? 178 episodes, yeah, something like that. Yeah, you're not looking at huge amounts of stinkers. No, I'd maybe four or five that I think I could happily give this a miss, Yeah. But I've recently done a rewatch. I've not skipped any, and I've not been bored with any. Yeah, but I've had a couple. Uh, yeah, I'm quite. I'm <clears throat> like, as I said, I'm on the animated series with twelve episodes to go. Yeah, and you're only twenty minutes long, so that's not going to take me a long time to to get through. And then I'm on TNG, and I'm not actually looking forward that much to season one. I think it's going to be season one and two of TNG. Are yeah, there's a couple of decent, but. I mean, people say the same about DS9, and it's true to an extent. Season 1 and 2 are not as good, but they're still largely decent. Yeah. Like, I'd take Season 1 and 2 of DS9 over Season 1 and 2 of Next Gen any yeah. day of the week, or Voyager, for that matter. Um, but yeah, I think we've probably covered everything we want to do at this yeah. stage, because I'd really love to dig into DS9 a bit more in the future. I think we might do that more in the future, I and think- actually pick story arcs or even episodes yeah. and do whole shows. So we, we don't want to... we could talk a lot of DS9. Um, yeah, we could sit here talking about how great DS9 is forever, but um, we're not going to, so... Probably if I, after I've had a rewatch. <laughs> yeah. So, where we go forward with Retrek from here is this episode we're going to get out to you. Well, obviously you'll be listening to it now, but it's going to go out as soon as we can get it done. Um, then we've got a few episodes in the can catching up with Discovery. Yeah. 
we're going to finish off our season reviews of Discovery. And then where we go from there, um, we'll have to find out. We'll have to see. We're going to probably finish the movies. Yeah. Get the Kelvin. Yeah, we have a few, we've got a few other people. Yeah, we've, we've got, got... actually got a few Trek stars lined up that we'll be interviewing yeah, we've over got, the next... We've got a few things coming up for you, so... Thank you for bearing with us uh, during the break, but um, we'll hopefully nothing like that will happen yeah. again. <laughs> we'll um, be back to normal. Uh, we'll be back service. to normal. <laughs> so thank you very much, and um, we'll see you next time on the retrack. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs>